You're listening to Bring Me the Axe. I'm Brian White, one half of this morbid equation, and I'm joined by my co-host and actual brother, Dave White. Dave, how you doing? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I had the uh, first time we tried to record this uh, last week. I had a pretty good bit going for this uh, salutation. <laughs> you did. I'm so I'm so sad we lost and I was, it. I was thinking, well, maybe I could just do it again, but that felt really disingenuous. So uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah if i recall it was uh, about uh lauren bobert j- jerking her boyfriend off at the beetlejuice it show did, it did that is my favorite uh, story of the- <laughs> I, it might be my favorite story of the year i know is is there no upper limit to how weird shit can get like it's just every time i turn around i'm like well things just can't get any weirder than that and then lauren bobert jerks her boyfriend yeah. off at a, at a beetlejuice and it's play. like it's kind of like uh, really colorado this this is your girl <laughs> this, this is the one you want. Yep. All right. And we will, and we will never be rid of her. Oh God. No, no. Yeah. So, uh, good God. Yeah. So listener, this is the second attempt we're making it uh, at this, at this episode. Cause, uh, we, we tried to deliver this one on time, uh, you know, for Monday and shit just conspired against us to make it, uh, to make it not happen. So here we are. Take two. We're going to give it to you because we're just that, that dedicated. Um, I've been, away i basically i woke up really really early before the sun was even up i got on an airplane to get all the way back up here and uh here we are and i've got a bottle of cheer wine to get me through is that like toilet wine what is that it that's uh it's uh it's a south it's a north carolina beverage that you can only uh can only, apparently you can only get there it's delightful I, I i have a ritual whenever i get off the plane it's the first thing i do is get me a bottle of cheer wine because it's delicious it it's kind of like wine I don't, I don't know. Cause it's, uh, it's Southern. Actually, I think it's, it's derived from cherries. And so it just, I don't know. It just kind of, cause it really does it make me think toilet wine. <laughs> well, it's not toilet wine. I, it, it's really, really quite, quite delicious. It's a carbonated cherry beverage. Yeah. 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 It's like a, it's a soft drink. Hey, so we practically grew up in neighborhood video stores and the steady diet of utter garbage that those shops provided us with continues unabated to this day. There's no one else I enjoyed chopping it up with more about trashy movies and Dave. Just before we get into it, here's a little housekeeping. If you want to keep up with us between episodes, you can also find us pretty much on all the socials, except for Twitter, because fuck that shit. Elon Musk can have it and he can eat my dick. Uh... You can bring, find us basically everywhere else. Uh, bring me the axe horror podcast. Uh, you know, we got a good deal of action hanging out on Instagram. There's our main account. Dave's got an account also at that queer wolf. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I actually joined the internet for this specific purpose because prior to this, I was not a participant in what uh, the kids refer to as the socials. I'm mm. still not sure I like it, uh, <laughs> but uh, so far it's basically just a feed of, uh, dogs and sea otters and horror stuff. And it's like, eh, well, if that's the internet, then okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you get to curate it. Uh, mine is all horror movie stuff and cats. Yep. And that, so, uh, everybody, is life in your 40s. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Look upon me. Look upon my works in despair. Yep. Um, you can also contact us directly at bringmetheaxpod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Do let us know if there's a movie that you love and would like to hear us give it the business. And lastly, if you like what you hear, 
You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And you'd be doing us a favor by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So get to it. It's fun, mm-hmm. I assure you. Also, apparently you can do this on Spotify also uh, yes. if you listen to us on Spotify. Uh, so I just want to get that all out of the way right at the top of the show. So now's the time where we give you a little taste of what we're going to sh- we're going to show you. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you're ready for this. Let's uh, let's give him a taste. Michael's a normal boy in an abnormal position. He had a little accident. You had yourself some sort of extraordinary fright. Michael, where's your hair? I'm bald. The proper medical term is harem scalm. What a loony. Now, he's got one hairy problem. And he's about to find a solution. (laughs) You can't just come into our house, can you? can go anywhere in the least likely place you think here's old charlie's recipe a jar of peanut butter don't taste too much of it or watch out but the peanut butter solution is just the beginning it's growing so fast of an even bigger problem mr jingles it's moving human hair grows only half an inch a month no more that's a head of hair well done son i don't think it's natural dad it's the peanut butter solution this is a classroom not a barbershop a toast to this new hair long may it grow but if it doesn't stop growing what will happen to michael it's a hair raising heartwarming comedy adventure for your whole family see the peanut butter solution it is a comedy comedy adventure yep whimsical in the extreme is how i've been how i've been describing it there are movies even even the worst movies the weirdest movies tend to have a sort of internal logic about them not this one Mm -mm, no No. uh and we're kind of actually i see sort of stretching the definition of like what constitutes a horror movie with this one. Cause this one is firmly a family movie. It's just loaded with fucked up weirdness. That's uh, just so uncanny and strange that it, it just, it could only terrorize an entire generation. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a movie that was written by like seven different people yeah. at varying stages. Like someone was like, uh, here, I wrote a treatment for a movie and someone else took it and was like, yeah, I'm just going to add a couple details and then pass it <laughs> off to someone else I've never met or talked to because it goes through these waves of story, like narrative arcs that yeah. kind of reach a peak and then disappear and become something totally different in the weirdest fucking way. That is accurate as hell because it definitely feels like several movies all kind of jammed together. And there's, We'll get to it. There's a reason for that. It but it has, it, I think it has a horror. The reason I, 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 that I think it appeals to people uh, with an interest in horror is that it really does in a weird way speak to the fears of children. Yeah. And cause I was thinking about this all week um, about like, what, what would I, cause I did see this as a kid. Um, it was on HBO a lot, uh, probably in the late eighties. And I don't remember what I thought of it when I saw it, but I keep thinking like, what would I have thought about this as a kid? Because as an adult, and I think most adults look at this and they're like, what the fuck is this movie? It is so goddamn weird. 
Yeah, there was a time because uh, there's I, there's a few movies that I, I have memories of that were definitely age appropriate for when we were watching them as children, but they were also scary, like legitimately in a way that was like it was deliberate, but still like uh, kid appropriate. It's like that's it's a thing that they don't really do anymore. Like whenever a movie is made for the family crowd or for children, it's it's really, really like kitty shit. Like, you know, or you it don't... has to appeal to both. It's like we, you know, we made this fucking animated movie, but we're sticking a bunch of adult jokes in there for yeah. mom and dad, to which I say, fuck you. <laughs> make movies for kids and make movies for adults. They don't have to appeal to both people. If a parent can't sit through a two hour movie, fuck that, a 70 minute movie yeah. without chuckling at some sex joke. <laughs> don't have kids. Yeah. So here's, here's, let's do some facts here. Uh, this, uh, this, this year was 1985 and some other movies that were released that year were reanimator and return of the living dead, a real one, two, both children's films, children's films through and through hilarious romps for the family (laughs) for all to enjoy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That this is, this is a fucking killer year because we also got Friday the 13th, the new beginning, um, which is a movie that I I've, I know that you enjoy this one a great deal. I have come around to it in recent years. I used to not really care for this one, and I kind of lumped it toward the bottom of my rankings. But I I, I kind of kind of appreciate what they were doing with that. Sort of stuck with the the in, uh, unenviable task of having to make a, another sequel in a series that just ended with the final chapter. So. And you know. so instead they were like, well, what if we just were absurd about it? <laughs> yep. Cause isn't Miguel Nunez is he's in that one, right? Isn't he yeah. demon? Yeah. He is awesome. And that is the one where he, I believe he dies in the outhouse. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, a um, lot to love. Yeah, there is my personally, my favorite is Reggie. Oh, he's the kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see a couple more. The stuff also came out this year. Mm hmm. It's the, a movie that made me very desperately wish that I knew what the stuff tasted like. I believe that is Larry Cohen's uh, a satirical take on big tobacco. I believe so. Or just or just consumerism in general. Very smart film. Yep. Yep. And then lastly, Transylvania 65000. Not a smart film. Not a smart film, but I love it. I think it's very funny. I watched it not that long ago, and it still makes me laugh a lot. Featuring notable racist Michael. <laughs> yep. Yep. Doing some very fucking funny prop yeah, comedy. Yeah, I'll give him uh, Yep. But uh, yeah, so cast and crew. This is directed by a man named Michael Rubo, not Rubbo. Uh, he's an Australian director who'd been working in mostly shorts before this production. And then he went on to direct several more of the Tales for All series, which we're going to kind of address in a moment. Uh, but. Of all the movies in this uh, in that long running series, uh, for the he's directed the most, and for the most part of them, they make up the bulk of his entire career. Like he also made t- the Tommy Tricker movies, yeah, which yeah. I think I have actually seen one of. Uh, they do sound very familiar, like, and I, I'm sure that we may, we probably saw them on like Nickelodeon or something like that. I think they were another uh, an HBO thing because I feel like HBO probably bought. The, the license to all because the in the Mostly. trailer it says it's a new world movie but new yep. world must have distributed it in the u.s because i don't think it was in canada no this was another one of those movies that that like uh 
they didn't really have an eye on box office. It was mostly like we're going to sell the rights to this movie in to in as many venues as we possibly can, and that's where they made the money. So like yeah, like New World just distributed it. Um, I'm sure it was it was distributed by somebody else in in Canada. I know that it was also sold overseas, so it was it was probably one of those things where so it, because like in the in the on the Severn Blu-ray, there's an interview with Rock Demers, yep. which I had a hard time believing that that was that man's actual name, but it is. Yep. Um, and he said that he didn't even know that this movie had an audience in the U.S. until he came here for a screening, I think in California, in like. 2015 or something yeah. and he was like i knew that it was shown on hbo a little bit back in the 80s and maybe early 90s he was like but i didn't think anybody outside of canada had really seen this and it has a huge fucking audience here yeah he was like genuinely surprised by that yeah which i think is a testament to how goddamn weird this movie is <laughs> like, oh shit i remember that i'll go see that in the yeah it, i mean the night i suggested this i checked uh I was like looking at the listings at Somerville theater and they were doing a, like a midnight screening of it that night. That's right. That was the timing of that was really strange. How about some cast? Bunch got, of people you've never heard of. Well, well a few, you know, a couple Michael Hogan, who is uh, the journeyman actor. He does it all features TV voice, probably best known as salt. Ty, the sort of grouchy XO and Cylon in sci-fi's awesome Battlestar Galactica revival uh, from a little ways back, which that's a series that I love the hell out of. It's so fucking good front to back. Uh, some people may disagree with me on the ending. I love the ending. Fuck. I've y'all. never seen a single episode. You should. It's good. It's it's it'll surprise you. Wasn't one of them a part of the uh, Nexium? Oh, I don't know. I think I, one of them was. That would. That, <laughs> I would be so disappointed, but yeah, I'm I'm because I'm, so, I'm going to take a stand. I'm a firm stand right now. We do not support cults of any kind. <laughs> no, it's not not sex cults, not any kind of cult. Okay? No, we support cult films. Oh yeah, but also um, he's everywhere in voice acting. Uh, like I think the night the night that we kind of bailed on trying to do this the first time, I went and put on the movie Clear Cut. Just that's at, a Graham Greene movie. Yeah, just that's a on true a, story. Uh, I think it's a true story. I I doubt. I don't. I maybe. I don't, I don't know much about it, but uh, yeah, I put it on on a lark just because I've been meaning to watch it for a while. Who should show up? Michael Hogan. And he is as Canadian in that one as he is in this movie. It's, God, it's, I love Canada. It's so fucking great. You hear me, Canada? I'm talking at you. That's right. We, we like you. So also, this movie stars Matthew McKay, who plays our lead, Michael. Uh, this was his first starring role, and he seems to be still fairly active in Canadian television productions. Uh, following this, he played young Henry Ford in a biopic that probably leaves out all the Nazi and union busting shit. And then lastly, a uh, kid named Seeluk Seysanase. I think I said that right. Again, I, I think it's uh, Seysanase. Seysanase. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. He's uh, Michael's best friend, Connie, in this movie. This was his first role, period. Uh, and after this, he'd go on to play Yick on Degrassi Junior High, and then basically all of the sort of Degrassi stuff that kind of flowers out from there. I love Degrassi Junior High. I, yeah, I've seen a few episodes of it, but like nothing ever kind of chronological or in order. I think I told you this last time that we tried to do this, uh, that I have have one really strong memory of this, and that was when I was in middle school, and they were trying, they would occasionally kind of pull out the old VCR TV uh, thing, 
and and they were doing this is all pre dare and they were doing a a program of like drug awareness education type stuff and to sort of dictate the dangers of drugs they played an episode where they're all, all the grassy kids are going to some concert and a couple of them one of them being Shane takes LSD and then like I think the the implication is he had some kind of bad trip and vanishes and they never ever aired the second episode for us so for the longest time I was like what the fuck happened to Shane it still bothers me I suppose I could look it up and find out what happened to him I mean, it's episode- some real hard hitting shit on that show it's like one after school special after that's the thing is every episode that I have seen seems to be uh Teens in trouble. Like, but I'll like, tell you, it, it comes out of something kind of interesting. It was like a, a kids acting workshop or something like that oh. in Canada. I can't remember wherever they filmed the thing. Um, and it's like this group of core, like core group of kids. They're not really actors. They're just kids who are taking, you know, participating in this kind of acting. It's like a, like a, not an after school program, but it's kind of a, like a program. Yeah. And it's just that, like they just took them and put them in this show. So they're not really actors. They're just actual kids. I mean, I guess. All I mean, those kids are, are acting. Kids. They would act the shit out of that stuff. So. But like, yeah, they were just like, uh, why don't we do a TV show? So then they do a TV show. And it's like, I like it's kind of cool. Uh, but I also just love Canada and I love uh, Canadian television. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's why I own the Blu-ray. Actually, there isn't a Blu-ray. I actually own it on regular DVD. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So um, nowadays, uh, Silic is uh, very active in film production, and he's a like a professionally. He's a first AD, so that's assistant director, um, and he's done gigs on movies that you have definitely seen. Like he he works on very high profile stuff. So you should, you should talk about the music too. Oh who, yeah, yeah. Who provides the music and why it is notable. We're gonna get there because I've got notes before we even address. Before the we Celine Dion the of it all. That's right. Which is actually the name of my biography. <laughs> the Celine Dion of it all. The Dave White story. This is uh, known as Operation Bear de Pinots in Quebec. And um, it is part two of the Tales for All series. I mentioned Tales for All earlier. This is the product of a Canadian producer that Dave mentioned named Rock de Mer. And the project was conceived as a series of family films that would also be adapted into books. So where he remembers seeing this movie, I had when he mentioned it, I had no memory of this movie as a movie. But I did remember it being a book in my school library. So and I, t- I think I told you the origin story, because, again, I was watching that uh interview with rock demille yeah it's a great that's a really really nice interview uh, uh, yeah he seems like a really great guy he's yeah. like he's this dude who was sort of like really uh really into film but at the time i think it was like the 50s maybe late 50s early 60s and he decides to like travel around the world and he gets really into like croatian i think it's Cro- uh, it's either czech or croatian cinema i think it's czech czech uh, and like russian cinema and he just like becomes really inspired by world cinema. I think you can kind of see that influence of like world cinema in this movie. Mm. But he really wants to like uh, make movies that kids like kids can watch. And so he like starts programming at theaters around um, uh, Montreal, I think. And eventually he reads an article in the newspaper about like rising, like dramatic, r- dramatic increase in teen suicide. 
And he is so moved. He's still moved in the interview. He read this thing in like the like early 70s or something. And he still like kind of tears up a little bit. And I was just like, damn, man, you aren't you seem like a good person. So he decided he wants to make a movie or he wanted to make stories for younger people that shows them that life is difficult, but it is worthwhile. Yeah. Now, that is a cheesy line, but it's a, it's such a noble pursuit that it's hard to make fun of someone for when, that. Well, the thing is, is when when it's delivered in earnest, if you were to make fun of it, you'd be a fucking asshole because this is a person who's speaking from the heart and you believe them. Uh, and I definitely I definitely pick that up. Yeah, I mean, we can argue over whether or not he succeeds in that um, <laughs> because I'm not so sure about that. But I, I think it is a, a, it's a genuine expression. And I think it is thoroughly respectable. Yeah. So as of this recording, there are 25 Tales from All Tales for All movies with the latest in the series being in production as recently as this year. Uh, they unofficially began with a real shitty looking children's movie called The Christmas Martian which was produced by Demare in 1971. And if you get that Severin release of this, which I recommend, that that's a that's a really it's a really good disc. Like yeah, just all give your the, money to Severin. Yeah, like all like it's a it's a very nice looking transfer and also the extras are all like pretty interesting and fascinating. Uh, but there's footage of this movie. There's actually there's footage of lots of the Tales for All movies on uh, on the extras, but this one in particular, you see a lot of it. Uh, and it looks T- utterly terrifying in places because like the, you know what the, it reminds me of it reminds me of that commercial remember that i'm from mars and i like to eat candy bars yes. commercial. it reminds me of that where it's just like this is the lowest budget looking janky shit i've ever seen and i want to see the whole fucking <laughs> yeah the, the the christmas martian himself has this like weird like net thing over his face that makes him look so uncanny and weird but as we're gonna find out uncanny and weird is kind of the brand for this this the series officially kicks off in 1984 with a movie called The Dog Who Stopped the War. I'm anti Dog Who Stopped the War. I thought that name sounded great, and then I learned what it was about, and I was like, "Fuck!" That's you. the thing. If if it's a children's movie and there's a dog involved, 99 percent chance that dog's gonna die, and it does. The dog stops the war by dying when a, in a collapsing snow fort. a snow fort collapses on it. So this is a movie I so so I didn't remember seeing this movie you did i remember very clearly watching the dog who stopped the war like what a delightful title yeah, yeah except it, you know what it needs an ellipsis and then because he dies in a collapsing <laughs> snowfall i know is it a really, long title yes but at least if, it tells the story since we're talking about a dog in a kid's movie i really do want to get it up front like just tell me how the dog stops the war so i know whether or not i'm going to watch this movie because i still get upset when the dog fucking dies in a movie oh i won't watch I won't watch anything that has that. No, I, I heavily rely on uh, does the dog die.com. <laughs> and I recommend it to everyone. They're you doing pay, pay for the app. If you need to, they're doing the Lord's work. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So as we said, this, this played very heavily on HBO uh, back in the day. And for most people who remember this movie, that's basically where they saw it. According to Demare, they intended for the movie to be full of weird and unsettling imagery, but success. I, yeah, I kind of call bullshit on that. Like this, that seems a little bit like yeah, that's a little retconny to me. Yeah, yeah. Because um, none of the future Tales for All movies that I, you know, that are available for you know seeing on that on that Severn disc, they do not look like this movie. Um, it is it is dark. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. 
Um, he also insists that the underlying theme of this movie is death and loss, which we're going to sort of address the the kind of weird. Oh, I'm going to address it throughout the the strange subplot about the mother, because it does not make any goddamn sense whatsoever. In the early stages of the movie, it's like heavily implied that she's dead, but then. But it not- is explicitly stated that she's not dead. Yeah. But everybody kind of acts all morose. It's the only explanation for why for why anything works in this movie, because otherwise, if you take that out, it's just like, then why is everyone such a goddamn lunatic? (laughs) Also, I think English is the first language for about four people in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But God bless them. They're doing their best. And, you know, they are making better English than I do French. They're making it work. Yep. So if we're talking through this movie and you think to yourself, self, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Don't worry about it. Uh, Michael Rubo made this story up on the fly as a bedtime story for his kids before just taking all of the pieces and combining them into a script and turning it into a movie, which is why it has that sort of angular quality to it, where one entire plot thread just resolves and then an entirely new one pops up in the same movie that you're watching. This will happen about three times. Uh, This also... Uh, this uh, going back to what Dave was mentioning earlier, this movie features the first English language songs by Celine Dion, who was 16 at the time of their recording. And the main theme is a song called Listen to the Magic Man, and it is insane. I have played it back several times. You can find the video on YouTube. I, I recommend it because it's really something. You know what it this ha- movie is? This movie is like if someone took Mr. Balloon Hands and made a movie out of it. <laughs> Not my chair, not my my problem. It's just like, here's a bunch of weird shit that someone is saying as they're rambling. And we're just going to make a fucking movie out of it. And then we're going to set it to Celine Dion's first English language track. Yeah, right down to the lyrics of the song. Mm -hmm. um, Because basically the the melody and the the orchestration, it all kind of sounds like somebody was very clearly kind of aping the never ending story. But the lyrics are like a Tori Amos song. Yeah. It was originally recorded in French as Don Laman d'un magician, which means in the hand. French is is exquisite. I'm so good at it. I'm so fucking good at French. It it means in the hand of the magician or in the magician's hand. And then the English version is kind of awkwardly retitled to match the melody and the meter. Uh, And the other Celine Dion song plays over the end credits. It's called Michael's song. But yeah, she was like a teenager when she was doing this and. Oh, the places she will As go. she was being groomed by that old man she married. <laughs> yeah, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Remember that? Remember when Celine Dion married a man who was like 40 years older than her? Good God. Yeah, man. I don't care for it. But I'm glad I'm glad she seems to have come out of it. Yeah, no, I think she's doing okay. Yeah. So the movie opens on breakfast as uh, Susie is uh, the is Michael's sister. She's rattling around the kitchen in an oversized robe that we're going to find out belongs to her mother. She's putting all sorts of shit in a blender. And they throw us right into like a, a, what sounds like a voiceover. The ADR use in this movie is very heavy. It's and it's inconsistent, too, because like yeah. they use it a lot when they need to dump a lot of shit on you in a, in a hurry and then it never comes back. And it always feels to me, because this is my first note about the the mom thing. It always feels to me like they're shoehorning shit in after the fact. So, she, you know, he's she's putting shit into a blender and whatever she's making looks disgusting. 
Uh, she's going to be a terrible mother if this is what she thinks parenting is. But uh, he says, uh, someone says something about like their mom has gone away. She has gone away. But he says it in such a way as to suggest mom is not ever coming back. Right. Like this is how you explain to a child that someone is dead. They've yeah. gone away. But then she's got this giant uh, frumpy bathrobe on. Yep. Um, it is what Nina Garcia on Project Runway would call mumsy. <laughs> um, it's a little madame. And so she says, "What well, you know, why are you wearing that or something like that? And she says, you, uh, I told you she said I could. Yeah. And so it's like they're really. And then she says she's not dead. She says yeah. it like, goes on. And it's well, like, it they like they- you're going out of your way to remind us or assure us all that. The mother is absolute. Don't worry, kids. The mother is not dead. Yeah, because they actually they they let that hang for about ten minutes, because Michael goes to school and then her dad is like, "What the fuck are you doing? You need to go to school." And uh, uh, she's like, "I don't know why he's so upset. It's not like she's dead or something yeah. like that." It's like, what? What? Then what? That was the fucking deal with the setup. And so here's what uh, when we were watching it. Uh, Michael suggested to me, my Michael, not the movie suggested to me, what if it was like they changed the script because obviously they didn't go back and reshoot all this shit. That would have taken forever. So what if they changed the script a little bit, but they didn't change the whole thing for consistency. They just changed certain scenes in order to reinforce it. So when it comes up later, it really reads like she is dead because they never bothered for the sake of uh, continuity to actually uh, revise everything. It's almost like the original intention was this was a single father dealing, you know, children dealing with grief kind of thing. Because that's the only way it makes sense. Yeah, because then at some point somebody was like, ah, that's kind of a bummer. Here's some, you know, here's some filler you can put in so that we can kind of salvage that. Yeah, it feels because it really feels like they got production notes back and we're like, no, 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 you can't let the mother be dead. This is a children's movie. Yeah. But without the mother being dead, the rest of it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so, yeah. cause then she's like, cause she puts the thing down, uh, on the table and she's like, what? It's exactly what mom makes. And I thought, this is what your mom, your mom makes fruit and raw eggs in a blender. Like if she's not dead. She's a terrible mother. <laughs> she may as well be dead. You're safer that way. Yeah. And this, this whole daughter as mother thing is it's going creepy to as shit. make me extremely uncomfortable because it never it it never veers into like inappropriate territory. It just dances t- perilously close to the edge. Yeah. So yeah, the, the two of them are basically fighting over not wanting to eat what she made for breakfast. I don't blame them. It looked fucking vile. And then she runs upstairs to tell her dad about it. And then this is when she does the thing where she's like, "It's not like mom's dead." What we're gonna find out is mom's in Australia. Because her father, I think her father died and she has to like basically deal with his estate and sell the house. That's what okay, you could have let grandpa be dead. Someone needs to be dead in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that still wouldn't explain why the dad is a fucking train wreck, too. He looks disheveled. Yep. He just he wears the same clothes the entire movie. He's like, he is a terrible parent as well. These kids are in danger. (laughs) And not just the danger that that ensues, but. Yeah, I think long term. Yeah, because when we're introduced to dad, that's Michael Hogan. He is like disheveled and he's been up all night for some unspecified reason. And he seems to just sleep on a cot in the attic. 
So now we uh, enter Connie. And we also have you've you've neglected to mention that Michael is wearing what is very obviously a wig. Yes. And it is it is a positively British looking wig. Like it is an Austin Powers. Like, will the real Jan (laughs) Brady please stand up? Like it is an obvious wig. It looks like a beetle wig. Yeah. Now. Now Connie comes in and this is Michael's best friend. And this kid is great. He's great. He's the entire movie. Let's himself in helps himself. Yep. And what we learn through a, a little bit of exposition here that Michael kicks ass at soccer and that the old spooky house near the nearby between the way to school burned down the night before. And that's where the winos live. Yeah. Get, you, air, air quotes for winos. And I, I, I love that even in my closed captions, it refers to them as winos, but like, <laughs> but like not in dialogue. It's just like, you know, uh, winos yelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I think it's great that. Even the, the closed caption calls them a wino. Yep. So uh, we, we get a little bit of a, like a flashback where Michael sees the winos out on the street begging and he gives the he gives one of them some money the day before. But he does. He 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 goes up and throws the money down. Like he's feeding a wild animal. Like he just like <laughs> very tentatively approaches and kind of like chucks it on the ground and runs away. Yeah, don't get like, too close. He might bite you. Yeah. He might give you wino disease. Yep. And he's, it's all it's all set to some really sad wino music, too. And Connie is super into the destruction of this house. He Holy is so, he's shit. excited about the fire. He's excited about people choking to death. And it's kind of like, all right, you need to reel it in, Connie. <laughs> yeah. A little weirdo. So, uh, yeah, on the way to school, um, now Michael checks to see if there's any mail from his mother who could just fucking call the house like a normal person. Because these again, three, it's a little forceful about like, don't worry, mom's going to write a letter, which right. she can do because she's not dead. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, it, I, w- I kind of wish that she would or would just pick up the phone because these three are not handling her absence well. No. And she's, she just went on vacation, basically. Like, basically. Like, she's I mean, just getting this nice... woman cannot go away for a couple of days. Without you just... all fall apart that quickly. <laughs> like, they descend into madness almost yeah, she immediately. left that morning, and it's like fucking Lord of the Flies. Yeah. So, and now, and now on the way to school, for some reason, Connie is doing his best not to step on any ants. And I don't, doesn't, believe, mi- doesn't mind a building full of winos burning to death, but don't, don't step on the ants. Hey, don't leave them ants alone. Yep. So on the way by the old spooky house, we now learn that some people died there in the fire. So just put a little pin in that. Meanwhile, back at home, Susie is still there, like in the robe, fretting over housework. It's also it's not really clear who's the older of the two. I think I think it's her. I think she's supposed to be the older. But she finds like moldy plates of food in the in the father's like uh, art studio. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? You have children. Why do you have moldy plates of food just laying around? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so now. She's she's there. She's yeah, like she's fretting over housework when she should be at school. And we learned that that basically dad is an artist and he has an appointment to try and sell some of his work to a guy named the rabbit, which I mm, we're going to get. We'll get to yeah, that. What's later. the deal with the code names in this movie? And it's bizarre because that's not the last one we're going to get. Yep. So at school, we're in art class and we are introduced to. The senior, yeah, the senior who's a little too handsy for my liking. I don't care for the senior at all. We're not supposed to like him, but yeah. again, he's a sack of shit. Yeah, he's a real fucking asshole. He's also an artist, but he might be in the wrong line of business because he detests imagination and he is obsessed with his dog, Jim. 
Uh, my note says uh, the kids in this art cast are so goddamn French Canadian. <laughs> Except for the oh, one there kid. Is, there, there is, is one, one kid who's like, but senor, it's scary. Yeah. Yep. So the class is currently tasked with drawing Jim while the senor, a flamboyant French guy who could be perfectly at home at like Pink Floyd's The Wall. I mean, I will give it to the dude who plays this character. He really does it to the hilt. He commits in a way that you're not expecting. Uh, yeah, he he basically, his whole thing in this scene is he's going from kid to kid who's like basically sketching a dog. They're and all just, just trying to draw Jim who's just sitting there on a chair, except for Michael, who's drawing the dog in like a Faustian hellscape. <laughs> With flames. Yeah, what? You're just, what are you looking at? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and the senior, meanwhile, is like, ferociously critiquing the children like just at no imagination do not use imagination draw what you see so yeah we get to we get to michael's and it's jim but he's yeah he's again he's like surrounded in hell and so the senior also grabs connie's drawing and tear threatens to tear it up but connie counters the threat with his own threat and he yeah. tells him He'll never come back to his class if he does, which is not a thing that I knew you could do when I was a kid. No, he's fucking my man, Connie, standing up. Ballsy. This goddamn tyrant. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what would happen if one of my teachers was like, uh, like, this is bullshit. And I would have been like, if you touch that fucking thing, I will never come back to this class. They're going to be like, "Uh, then I'll see you with your parents tonight. We (laughs) And younger people might think, well, a teacher would never say that. To which I say, a teacher would absolutely fucking say that. Every teacher I ever had was a total piece of shit who did not have any right to be teaching children. Oh, yeah. My my experience with teachers was uh, similar. Not it's it's a much different world these days. Like the, 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 the teachers that my children have way different, way more invested in, in their education, whereas ours seem to be burdened with our yeah. education. And I imagine like being a teacher is probably extremely difficult. Yeah. And uh, still, um, they were all terrible people. So you hear that Northampton elementary school <laughs> you can, you can eat a bag of dicks. You all fucking sucked at your Fuck jobs. You. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> I just got, got that off my chest. Uh, carry on with this film. Yeah. Uh, it's a very uh, triggering movie for me from the <laughs> outfits to the teachers. <laughs> So uh, back at home, Michael's father tries to sell a number of paintings of birds to the rabbit. And he says, he says, uh, uh, my last show was a sellout. And I thought that can't possibly be true. This art is terrible. It's It's objectively bad painting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they're all like whimsical toucans fucking smoking a cigarette or something. Yeah, I do. I do like the one that like the big like you cannot have this one. The one of the family paying, playing tennis because the the um, the perspective is really fucking weird. Yeah, it all feels like it's like pulled from a fucking kids in the hall sketch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, this is this is where we find out that Michael's mother is off doing the thing in Australia. And meanwhile, the rabbit wants to buy the fucking tennis painting and he gets like weirdly possessive. He's like, no, this is a gift. It's it's like, okay, if it's a gift, that's fine. But why are you being a fucking weirdo about it? Yeah, it's a gift for Susie. It's almost like your wife is dead or something. I know. Yep. Got to got to protect this painting of the family. It's the last thing we have. All together. When we all played tennis. Yeah, All of us conspicuously alive cannot cannot sell this one. 
so now on the way back from school, Michael and Connie are back at the old the spooky old house. They decide to climb up on the wreckage of it. Connie's got an idea. Let's break into the burned out death house that is still a smoldering crime scene. Yep. And so he eventually like falls off, gives up on it. But Michael, but what keeps are they going. climbing on? Like it, 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 it's so the house is like a, a kind of like a bombed out Victorian wreck. But like, why does it have a rickety old coal shootout? That's the thing. It looks like it looks like uh, like a leftover set from like a scene where they shot some shit that was like set during the Blitz in London or something. Yeah, this is where the dog was supposed to stop the war. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, Michael climbs up and he gets inside and he walks around and then we cut back out to outside uh, as Connie is like, hey, Michael, come come back, come down. And then we hear Michael screaming from the inside and it cuts to a fucking intense extreme close up of him screaming with his hair standing on end. And then his body like lifelessly slides down the coal chute out the window. Yeah. Just so like, so they scare the ghosts, scare the shit out of him. Yep. Uh, and then they throw him out the window down the coal chute. It's like, dude, he gave you money. Yeah, he was a weirdo <laughs> about it, but still. Yeah. This is how you repay him? Well, well, we're going to find out. One of the winos is like an okay dude. The lady wino fucking sucks. Yeah, so she's I'm gonna a assume, real, literally kind of wild personality. I'm going to assume that it was her who scared the shit out of him and threw him out the window. Yeah, it is definitely a problematic portrayal of mental illness and homelessness. <laughs> Just FYI. Yep. Yep. So back at home, Susie is still not at school. She's but she does appear to be doing the family's accounting. <laughs> she's managing the finances for some yeah, she's reason. She's sitting there with an adding machine and like a pen and a paper. Like what? Uh, what's going on here? Yep. Why is she making gross breakfast and now doing the bookkeeping? And she's like, but she's also like fretting over it. Well, uh, you know, things are harder now that mom is definitely not dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Michael is now brought into the house unconscious. Uh, Connie goes uh, over what happens. And but listen, go- I got to tell you, this is the first moment in this movie where, because throughout the entire thing, everyone's real fucking casual about what is happening and what happens to Michael. He brings him home in a shopping cart. He is clearly in some kind of coma and they're all like, dad, don't worry about it. Just put him on the couch. He'll be fine. Walk it off, buddy. A little later on also, there's going to be like a weird like disparity between how Michael's affliction is being handled sort of internally, how how he deals with it and how his father does in a way that really bothered me <laughs> because like he's obviously like has this outsized ex- like ex- expression of, of rage and sadness. And and when the hair starts growing, his dad's like, all right there, Michael boy, at a boy. Like that's a yeah, way to this grow is that a hair. sign of a problem. Like this yeah. is a health crisis, if nothing else. Yep. So, so now, but as this is happening, like Michael's brought into the house, Connie goes over what happens. And we get a little POV in the spooky house as he's. And I'll tell you, this can't be right. This he was in the house for all of like five fucking seconds before he gets chucked out the window. But we get back. He's in there for like two hours. Yeah, we got like 20 minutes of like sneaking around the ruins kind of thing. It's crazy. But then they show the house from a different perspective and it looks like a totally different house. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't have the weird coal shoot. Like the other one was like a bombed out Victorian. And this is like just some old house. Yeah. 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 The, the implication here is that Michael saw the burnt up bodies or he saw ghosts of the burnt up bodies. Yeah, well, I think one or one or two of them is a, an unreliable narrator. Yep. Getting it. Yep. And they're really not very nice to Connie either. They're basically like, 
thanks, kid. Can you get the fuck out now? I know. Yeah, his dad is is he's not like rude. He's just mostly like, what are you doing in my house again? And Con- like Connie's the coolest kid in this movie. He's he the is. coolest kid in the fucking in all of Montreal. <laughs> like, yep. why are you telling him? To- tell Susie to get out. She's a weirdo. Certified Quebecois cool guy. Yeah. So later that night, he's fucking dressed like Madonna from who's that girl? Like he is real (laughs) cool. Yeah. So Susie finds the cat sleeping on Michael's head. And so she shoes it away. And then the next morning, Connie comes over for breakfast and Michael comes in and we learn that he lost all his hair overnight. And now the amazing thing about this, though, is that they clearly just shaved this kid's head. Oh, yeah. Why didn't they put a bald cap on him? Why did they actually shave his head? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have no answer for that. And this scene is also, because this is in the trailer, and its I, I think I've used it for something else uh, online, but it's like, you can tell it's this questionable directing because they're, the father and Susie look like uh, genuinely surprised or shocked, but you can tell that Connie doesn't really know what to be doing because he kind of starts laughing yeah. like he's uncomfortable. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm supposed to be surprised. But they just fucking roll with it anyway. They're like, no time. We got to keep going. Yep. They got what they want out of the foreground. Connie can, you know, they can deal with that later. I mean, he looks like he has leukemia. (laughs) He even acts like he has leukemia. Like he comes fucking stumbling down. Like he was just hit by a car and it knocked all of his hair out or something. Because he's like, his eyes are closed. He's kind of bumbling around the house. And it's like, why does it seem like he's been drugged? Yeah, he's mumbling and shit. You know, and naturally they blame the cat for sleeping on his head. Like this is the thing that'll happen. Yeah, like this is a fucking 14th century folk tale. <laughs> I know, I know. The I know. cat stole his hair. That is not what happens. There is a medical crisis happening in this house, and nobody seems to care. Yeah, a miasma fell across the land and caused Michael's hair to fall out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Michael takes the news poorly. Yeah, you might least. think it's like his mother died or something because <laughs> the way. My note, my note says you would think his mom died or something. Yeah. Mine says this is a mom's dead breakdown. Not an I lost my hair breakdown because he fucking loses his shit so hard. Like I, you do not see people cry like this unless they witness something terrible and and they're doing it in the moment. Yeah. His, his ongoing reaction to his hair loss is fucked up and very weird because at no point are we to think that his hair will not grow back. As a matter of fact, his dad consoles him by saying here, like touch, you know, like I just shaved. What happens if I don't shave for a couple of days? He's like, it's bumpy. And he's like, right, your hair is going to grow back. Michael spends from what we can tell the better part of like two weeks, like, uh, uh, like the scene, like the, that, that episode of the Simpsons where Bart breaks his leg and he can't go in the pool. <laughs> he's it's like that. Uh, but but also Saints Day already. <laughs> Tis so he's gonna he's gonna hide in his bedroom and break down into hysterical sobbing tears. Like, anytime. but also he clearly didn't lose his hair. This is kind of what I'm going. With. He didn't lose his hair. They shaved his head. It's like it didn't fall out. You cut it. You can still see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not as impactful. But what do they do? Someone finally decides to take him to a doctor. And what is that doctor's name? Dr. Einstein Epstein. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Couldn't you have picked a better, I don't know, uh, less anti-Semitic name? <laughs> right, because he's got that. He's got that, like, 
Austrian accent that like everybody who's ever done like a character like a like a uh, an impression of Albert Einstein does. And what we learn is he has the fright or harem scarum, which is what they say in the uh, in and the that trailer. is definitely not a medical term. He says it is, but it is definitely not. I am not a doctor. In case yeah. you didn't know that, but yeah. uh, he is definitely wrong about that. But how does Michael react? He loses his fucking mind. Again. Goes insane. Yeah, like uh, he, and he's he, angry with the doctor, like it's the fucking doctor's fault. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, yeah, the whole thing is junk science. I don't. They should go to a different doctor. That but doctor is crazy still, as fuck. It's not his fault. Yeah. So next, the senior hijacks Connie at school and interrogates him about Michael's absence. In his is, office in what appears to be a janitor's closet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'd put the senior, too. Because, yeah. well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think he should be working with children. But uh, if I if you had to let him in, I'd put him in the janitor's closet. His interest in Michael is suspect. Yeah. Because apparently Michael's absent. And it's only been a couple of days this is really weird to the senior who's like, I don't know why he's so interested in the whereabouts of one of his students. Yeah. My, so I, um, I have a note here that says that the way the kids react to the senior, it suggests that something funny is going on. <laughs> and then it says, and by funny, I mean, definitely illegal and traumatizing. Yep. 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 So now Michael is haunted by nightmares about being in the spooky old house. Like he very clearly has PTSD about, ghost winos yeah well i mean yep and so back at school we learn uh the senior has like a a meeting with the school principal and we learn that he gives children nightmares yeah my favorite part about this though is when he goes into the office and the the dog jim jumps up on the couch and the senior goes yeah he loves velvet <laughs> i was like this is the greatest fucking line in the whole movie don't, yeah. don't worry about him he loves velvet yeah, I guess we all kind of do. You must have ad-libbed that. That's such a fucking funny line. And, yep. she, and she's sitting down and she got the, the woman, the, the we, she's a weird character too. Yeah. She's very, it's like they pulled her from some sort of British, uh, like upstairs, downstairs sitcom yeah. and plugged her into this movie. Cause she's like this larger woman with like a kind of blonde, uh, quaffed hair. And she says, Senor, I've had my doubts about you and I've done some checking. And I thought, bitch, shouldn't you have done that before you, you hired him? I think. Then again, like my experience with teachers in the 80s was also kind of like, like as an adult, I think back and I'm like, you probably would have failed a modern day like background check, just given how you how you handled other children. Like, because what we find out about the senior is that he like. He's a fraud. He's changed his name several times. He's changed his entire identity. Yeah, you've been thrown out of two schools. You've faked famous paintings, and you've changed your name and appearance four times. Like if, He's like Freddy Krueger. that does not scream sociopath, like, you hired a con man, and you would Clearly, someone has told you all of this. Why didn't you ask that before you hired him? <laughs> I know. I know. Because it's not like he presents well. No. Oh, no, no, no. He's as maniacal and, and weird and as disheveled as... Michael's dad. Yeah. And yeah. meanwhile, back at, at fucking Michael's house, he is doing some Bobby Brady style drumming. Yeah. Yeah. Susie just to is, get that rage out. Yeah. Susie's playing the piano uh, very well. And he is just pounding on some drums, like with, with a look of just pure anguish on his face. And he says, because Connie tries to soothe him. Yeah, and Connie shows up and he's like, hey, they, uh, they sacked the senior, which is a very British way to say he got fired. Yeah. Hey, man, that's a Commonwealth country right there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. So, so again, Michael freaks out. Yeah, he, he says, screams. "I look disgusting." He does. He doesn't just say it. He screams it. Jesus Christ! Calm which, down. Which no, he doesn't. He looks like a kid who shaved his. Yeah, head. it's also like you're you're a you're a, like a twelve year old boy who shaved your head. Like kid, the people do that shit all the time. That's the thing, and this is it's only been a couple of days. Here's the thing: you could touch your head and feel the 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 growth already. Yeah, like, and 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 Susie quite rightly says, like basically, like, come on, man, he was just trying to be fucking nice to you. Yeah, which yep. I was I was feeling the same thing. Yeah. But don't worry, they have a solution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Susie and dad ambush Michael with a wig. Yeah, and I mean, they literally, like, they are assaulting him. With this is wig. also, this is not the last time they're going to fucking, like, like hoodwink him. They're going to they're gonna grab him, like, a couple of more times in this movie. They, they've got... And it's, it is the same wig he had on wig. at the beginning. Yeah, but he doesn't want it. the best part about it, the best part about the wig in general, is that he looks like Susan Tyrrell after she cuts her hair in Butcher Baker. Ah. <laughs> like, it is this choppy fucking, like, or, you know, like early 90s riot girl look that is really fantastic. Yeah. And Maybe like, not on him, but... He's like, it's just a wig, it won't stay on. And so they go and they get some fucking glue, and they glue it on, and he immediately becomes, like, ecstatic. He finally for, for goes a, for a time. He, yeah, he finally goes back to school. <laughs> Not for very long. He goes back to school and he kicks ass at soccer again. But now there are bu- there are bullies at this. Yeah, there's match. the mean kid who looks like a good seven years older than the rest of them. Yep, he's like, been he's held got like back. a mustache and the fucking <laughs> biggest Cro-Magnon brow I've ever seen, like yeah. outside of Baby Gerald from The Simpsons. <laughs> and if you're counting, that's two Simpsons references so far. Yep. So yeah, and so Michael is so good at at soccer that they decide that they've got to do something about them, about yes. him. And what that thing is is they grab him by the hair, yep. and they rip it off. Yeah, in the weirdest, most unsettling scene in this entire movie, they snatch that wig, and it comes off in this slow motion movement. When <laughs> it looks with, like it was the, stuck the, on with yeah. like chewing gum, and then the kids. Kid's fucking waving it around like he's just scalped him. It is really bizarre. It's so fucked up. The glue stretches like fucking cheese in an old Pizza Hut commercial. Yeah. Like, it's... (laughs) But then, then, even better, is after that, they start taunting him with some song that is very specific to him in this situation. And I thought... When did they have time to write this song? Because this is a choreographed moment. They all seem to know the words to a song that they just made up Five minutes ago. And literally everybody turns on him. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because he has a terrible wig on. Now, yep. does that happen in real life? I don't know. I'm not Canadian, but I can't imagine <laughs> that it does. Yeah. And the way that they all sort of chase him is like yeah. the fucking, like the, the killer scene in prom night. Like, I'm surprised he doesn't <laughs> fall out a window and die. It really it is just like, why are these children all of a sudden like bizarre maniacs? Again, yeah, it's it's a tone problem that this movie has. Uh, yeah, he's got his shirt like pulled up over his head, and he's like running and, and like ducking to get away from this like murderous mob of children who are chasing him. Good God! So uh, yeah, he's chased into his house, and he resumes his uh, his his status as a hermit until that evening when he yes. goes down into uh, a, a suspiciously foggy kitchen. It's a yeah, they've got a smoke machine that they just forgot to turn off. And he finds the ghosts of the winos kicking around his kitchen. 
And there's to which bit. I thought, why are these gross homeless ghosts just hanging out in his fucking kitchen? Like, well, what's this all about? Do they as, feel bad? as she explains, ghosts can go anywhere. Yep. And then he says, how did you get to be a rubby dub? And I said, what the fuck is that? Yep. Also, tacky question, Michael. <laughs> yeah. How'd you fail in life so severely? Yeah. Yeah. You seem like maybe uh, you're the kind of person who would die in a derelict house fire. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey, ghosts. This is a question I'm going to use at some point in the future. How shit gets so bad in your life that you died in a fire? Yeah. Jesus. Um, so, so, but the thing is, the, the the there's some banter, but the important part here is that for some reason they have a fix for his hair problem, which again will solve itself in time. But it, it's definitely not the problem that Mikey Michael is making it out to be. See. If he had just waited for his hair to grow back like a normal person would, none of what what follows would happen. Yeah, he's being a real diva about the whole situation. Yeah. And, and at that point, I'm kind of like, you know what, kid? I don't want to help you anyway. <laughs> You're lucky that these old dead winos want to help you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they caused the problem in the first place, but still, you've been rude. If, yeah, none of this would have happened if they hadn't been winos. Yeah. So a rubby dub, a rubby dub. What is that? So then he decides he's going to make this concoction for which the the old crazy lady ghost gives him the rest. Here's the here's the she gives it to him orally. He's not allowed to write it down. Here are the instructions. One really ripe banana, five dead flies, (sighs) one rotten egg, three licorice leaves. Who has this shit just laying? Where do you even buy this stuff? I know Uh, he is kitty, a fistful of kitty litter. Three Connie crisps, whatever those are. That sounds very Canadian. Yep. Three. And I mean, it sounds great. Yeah. Three Crosby crackers, whatever Same. those are. Yep. Same. Nine spoons of soil. Oh, uh, I think that's, his, I think, doesn't Crosby, aren't those uh, water crackers? <sighs> Your guess is as good as mine, man. I mean, aren't, water crackers are very British, but also I think that sounds very Canadian. Yeah. Uh, nine spoonfuls of soil, uh, a glass of Pepper's Fizz, again, whatever that is. I think it's what you were just drinking. Let's go with it. Chicory toilet wine. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The glass of cheer wine. Um, oh, and then God. a spoonful of peanut butter to thicken it. Uh, Nobody has this sh- all this shit in their house. Nope. Of note, uh, Skippy paid for product placement yes, in did. this movie. <laughs> but here's the thing. You have to be careful to follow the directions to the letter. If you screw it up or you use too much of one thing, bad things will happen. Also, don't get it on your hands or anything, really. Yeah, he and he does not heed that advice. Nope. But, well, Neither and, does and, Connie in a very upsetting moment oh, that no. we will get to. Yeah. So Michael sets about to make the solution while Dad by and, candlelight, no less. Yes. While Dad and Susie watch, and they're like, "What the fuck is he doing?" And yeah. so just as he's so he's got it and he's got it in a blender, and just as he's about to put it on his head, the two of them again ambush him and dump it down the toilet, thinking that he's going to drink it. And so now it's basically what she made him for breakfast. So yeah. I don't know what the fucking problem is. Yep. So with the recipe lost now, Michael can't make any more. But the ghosts visit him again, and the dude wino steals the recipe from the chick wino, who is sometimes nice and sometimes mean, and he gives it to Michael. So now he gets to baking another batch, and this time nobody stops him. And he happily slops it on his head. But and he very- says, I'm a better painter than dad. And I thought, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we've seen these paintings. 
Uh, but the, yeah. see, here's the thing is the solution, uh, the peanut butter solution, you might say. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, It's too thin. So he uses more peanut butter. Rookie move. And uh, he says, uh, uh, yeah, I've got to use more peanut butter. It's the only solution. Eric. Yeah. So now with the stuff thicker, it sticks to his head. And Meanwhile, the rabbit is still trying to buy this weird painting. Yeah. In the morning, there's stubble on his head, as happens with everyone who shaves their head, mind you. And everybody acts like it's a fucking miracle. However, it is a miracle because every time they cut away and then cut back to Michael, there's more hair, hair on his head. And, and again, I, I say, this is a health problem. Take him to a doctor. And not that other guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. I would like to see. Take him to a real doctor. I would like to see Dr. Epstein's medical license. Yeah, well, you can't because he's a Jewish stereotype <laughs> and not a doctor, clearly. Yep. In the bathroom, Michael shows Connie the solution. Oh, God. Uh, I, don't, I don't like this. And, and Connie immediately plots to grow pubes with the stuff, which, again, will happen naturally with time. Yeah, I don't care for this part at all. It's I don't, very upsetting. I don't, because it doesn't go anywhere. It, there's a scene later on that I'm like, oh, is that- That makes it even fucking weirder. Yeah, that, it, but also, he- Fuck it, we'll get there. I'm gonna leave so that. So here's, let's, let's revisit what is a horror movie, because we should come back to this, because so far we've got frightening wino ghosts, um, <laughs> we have a, a possibly dead mother. Um, you have a disheveled father. You have bullies at school. It's a very, they're all going to laugh at you thing going yep. on here. And now you have puberty. Like these are all terrifying things that in the abstract for children are really frightening. But as an adult through this weird fucking lens, it's just like, what is, who wrote this movie? Yeah. Why is this so weird? Yeah, there's actually, I, th I believe there's actually like, three or four writer credits to this movie, which again, yeah, I can tell makes a lot of sense when you put and it And that doesn't together. include like the other people who did like punch up. If there was any, yeah. Yeah. Cause if someone did punch up, all it did was make the movie weirder. Yep. So Michael is now like, is now like ecstatic. This isn't like the wig situation. He's, because by the time he gets to school, he's got some real Sean Cassidy hair. Yeah, but first, he's going to call his mother. And through this, we learn what the country code for Australia is, which, if the Simpsons have taught us anything, and they haven't, a phone call to Australia is expensive and will result in a boot. $500 redos. Yeah. That's the third <laughs> Simpsons reference. Uh, but that, again, it's more like a, no, look, everybody, she's not dead. Yeah. Like, they all feel really, like, fucking shoehorned. It really in. is just, like, stuffed into the crap. And, and every time, it just, like, they, it all feels like either reshoots or ADR because it's, like, these weird moments that are kind of, like, uh, sort of, like, outside of the plot but shoved in. Like, he climbs into bed with his father at one point, and he's really upset, and it's just, like, what is this fucking scene it would make sense if he was upset because the mother was dead. It doesn't make sense that he's so goddamn traumatized that his hair fell out. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get that, like, kids get scared of shit, but, like, I don't know. I mean, you know. It, yep. What's the scary thing here? I know, I know. What is the what is the death and loss thing? Yeah. Is it hair? Is it hair? I mean. Is this an allegory? What's happening? Yeah. So at school, Michael now has a mane of luxurious hair. Yeah, real, is, I told you, real Sean Cassidy, real kind of a, what's that one where he's got the silk a, jacket? Oh, the Do Run Run, that, the, is the that do album? Run Run, yeah. Yeah, he's got that real kind of feathered, beautiful, very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful wig. I 
you know, I credit. I have been, I've decided I want to have another podcast because every time I watch television, I will turn to whoever is watching television with me. And that's very few people who I watch television with. And I say, you think that's a wig? (laughs) And every single time Michael goes, yes, it's a wig. And I think, I want to have a podcast that's just called, is it a wig? And I'll just have people on and we'll just talk about movies with wigs. You know what? We're going to do Samurai Cop because the answer to that question is, yeah, that's a wig. Well, see, that's the thing is every time I'm like, well, see, I'm right, though. Let's talk about, is it, is it a wig? Is it a wig? In this movie, there is no shortage of wigs. Oh, there's a, a variety of them, as a matter of fact. You've got uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker wig. You've got Sean Cassidy Do Run Run wig. You've yep. got, it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so at home, uh, so, so the, the thing with the school scene is basically to establish that the hair is growing bet- before his very eyes and it's now it's a distraction. And how does he prove it? Because sh- the girls are like, that's not a, that's not your hair. And I'm like, why the fuck are all these kids so concerned about wh- whether it's his real hair or not? Get a, yeah. get a life, get a ladies. Yeah. And then he's like, look, he has dandruff. Like, this kid can't catch a fucking break. Yep. Yep. So at home that night, Michael comes in looking like Cousin It. And dad is, again, this is what I talked about earlier. Dad is impressed instead of being absolutely horrified. I mean, this is concerning because he went to school that morning and he did not have Sean Cassidy hair, nor did he look like Cousin It. No. Now he's back. It's time for dinner. What did dad make? Toronto noodle soup. What the fuck is that? What is that? Did I look it up? Yeah. Is there a recipe? No. No. There's not even a mention of it. Nope. It's just like, what are the best noodle soup places in Toronto? Now- is that good information? Sure. Is it what I needed in the moment? No. Nope. Nope. I, you know what? I, when, when they, when he puts the pod down, like having watched this a couple of times, I'm like, I bet you it's just like egg noodles and water and like a bouillon cube. Like that's probably it. Cause that, that, I don't strikes know. that me sounds as, like American noodles. That strikes me as the only thing that this man is capable of, of making. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he is, he is a, a complete waste of space. Yeah. The, He's a the, bad father. He's a mediocre painter at best. Yeah. The thing, the thing there's about, a medical crisis unfolding in front of him and he thinks it's a great thing, a legit problem. And nobody reacts to this the way that you expect them to No, but he does apologize to Connie. And I thought, well, that's the first good thing you did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Connie's just trying to help out, man. And Connie's doing a lot more for this family than dad or Susie. Yeah, because the dad's just like, your hair is young and frisky. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Yep. What is wrong with you? You're a bad father. Yep. So the hair is now such a problem at school that Connie has to cut it as it grows. Now, this- but let me be honest with you. Fucking every kid in that classroom could use a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all looked like me when I was eight. Just like fucking cowlicks out, out you know, left and right. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah, this- looks terrible. I'm telling you. I, this is I, when, when people, when younger people are like, ah, oh, the 80s, everything was so cool and hip and colorful. No, it wasn't. Everything was fucking gross and earth tones. Everyone had bad hair. It looks like they cut it themselves. That's what the 80s looked like. I had the worst fucking hair that you, you can imagine. Just the fucking worst. All the way through the 80s. And it didn't really get much better after that. And then I lost You know what it, it is? You know what your hair looked like in the 80s? It looked like, you remember the, the beginning of Sleepaway Camp with the kids driving the boat? That's what your hair looked like in the 80s. Yeah. You yep. looked like that kid in the 80s. <laughs> yep. Why, why? Somebody help the people. Somebody help the people. Michael cops to using the solution, but, but they all, but they also keep getting yelled at by the teacher. It's like, okay, so the dad's not concerned because she's a bad parent, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the mom's not dead, so she's not really worried about it. Um, it. 
it's like Connie's the only one who seems to be taking this seriously because even the teachers are not. They're like, you are being disruptive. And it's like, what is wrong with all of you people? Yeah, and that's the thing. Why are you gaslighting him? He pleads with the teacher to be educated. He wants to be educated, not just Harry, he says. But just this movie has a really weird relationship with school. And I think that it's kind of consistent with the the 1980s because there was a real sort of anti-establishment vibe to a lot of these children's movies at the time because they were being written by, like, post-hippie boomers. So the ones te- that hadn't like flipped to uh, Republicanism. Well, even them, but like teachers and faculty were always being portrayed as sort of adversarial. But because this movie is so pleasantly Canadian, it can't help but make them seem a little bit pleasant. Uh, but also like uh, 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 weirdly aloof. Yeah. Um, With the exception of the senior, I would say like the teachers just seem kind of like rash and like sort of quick to judge, but they're not bad guys. But I think this is what makes this an interesting movie because to a child, this shit probably makes a lot of sense. Like where your teachers are an authority figure who you mostly have an adversarial relationship with, like, you know, under most circumstances, like, but to an adult, it's like, this is bonkers. What is this movie? But like to a kid, like the fears seem real and rational. The fact that like your teachers aren't listening to you and are just sort of like uh, either condescending to you or dismissing you. It's like it must. It, and again, I don't remember what it was like to watch it, but it must have felt more like, a yeah, this all makes sense. But to me, I'm like, none of this makes sense. Um, and, and it's really weird that a kid would think that it does. Yeah, it feels like really kind of consistent with the way that like when Nickelodeon was really new as like a children's property, which was also extremely Canadian. It was very, yeah. Most of their programming was from like Ohio or whatever. Yeah. Like most of their programming was, was Canadian. Much like today. Most things were shot in Canada. (laughs) It's cheap, man. So yeah. uh, Okay. The teachers say they will, they will resign if he goes back to the classroom. Right. What? What the fuck is wrong with you people? So that night, Connie tosses and turns because his mutant pubes are growing out of control and are making his legs itchy. And then he yells at them to stop. And they do. It's like, uh, it's like that movie. uh, What's the one where they're at the, on the pyramid in Mexico ruins, (laughs) the ruins. Yeah. The vines that are trying to kill them. It's that. Yeah. Except it's, 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 Pubes and Canadian ten year old or whatever. It's very. Yeah. I don't. I don't like. It. I don't like any. So of it. I don't is like this? It. Well, this. This was my question: Is is this the trick to making the hair stop growing? Because and how come he doesn't say that? It to the never. Other he does not mention it. It never comes back into play. I'll tell you why. Because they passed the script off to someone else who was like, "Nah, I don't like that." Yeah. It's like when you watch cooking shows and like uh, Top Chef, and they'll do a thing where like. They're working as a team, but they can't see what the other people are doing. So then they just kind of have to pass off the recipe to someone else. And they're like, I guess I got to figure it out based oh, on sure, what's yeah, in front yeah. of me. Master it's Chef tag team. And so they're just like, um, yeah, you know what? I don't like that part. I'm going to start my own thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an arrogant asshole. I'm going to start my own thing. Yeah. Back at his own house, Michael has to keep his hair lifted with this elaborate contraption for some reason. And he has. It, it is a very strange. It's like the. Uh, it's like the sash from the curtains or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's he like, ties it in it. Like in a bow at the end. And it's like this like onion of hair that just like rests on top of his head. I think they were just like, that's a great visual. 
Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Because he then he just sort of sits up and falls asleep. He's like he's a horse. He just yeah. falls asleep. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. I think horses actually do lay down. I don't think anything stands up to sleep. That seems, no. uh, seems like a bad idea. But he has now he has nightmares about the spooky house again. And, and these, about the dog. Yes. Th- and these ones are terrifying. Um, it's all like heavily polarized footage of the house that runs in like slow-mo while dogs just bark on the soundtrack. Yeah, it feels positively German. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And he, uh, he has uh, nightmares about the senior and his dog and of having his hair attacked by dogs. It's so Freudian. Yeah. And then, and like he, and then he wakes up and he's like under a house. Or is that uh, later? No, that, that happens next. So yeah, the next morning with his hair trailing on the ground, Michael's been kicked out of school, we find out, and he intends to go anyways, which, what the fuck school? It's it's his hair. I mean, this I think this really resonates with us today, where they're yeah. just like, you can't talk about black people or queers, and if you do, we're kicking you out of school. And they're like, we just want to learn what is wrong with you. And, and, and I say, I ask the same question. Yeah. So on the way to school, the for some reason, the wind is so strong that he's getting like blown all over the place and his hair's getting blown all over the place. And he finds shelter next to a neighbor's house and falls asleep. Yeah. yeah. Under the house. So unfortunately, this leaves him vulnerable to being kidnapped by an unseen French person, which this, if I were a young child watching this, that might actually be a little frightening. Yes, me. because for context, everybody, the biggest fear a child had in the 80s was being kidnapped. Stranger danger. Now, I know I often say kidnapping was really hot in the 80s. Kidnapping was having its fucking best life in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know if it was actually more children were being kidnapped. I think it's really more of like people heard about it a lot more. Oh, sure. It it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like today, you know. It's the, but the, in, in the 80s, kidnapping was real hot and you there were fucking TV movies about it. It was like happened on TV shows. Remember oh, when yeah. Tootie, Tootie runs away and goes to New York and they try to like like uh, kidnap her and like sex traffic her. Yep. Like that was all the special episodes were like you are going to be kidnapped, raped and sold into slavery. Yeah, what was that one? I I think I I know my first name is Stephen. Uh, I know my first name is Stephen. The movie about Stephen Stainer who yeah. had what is probably the saddest life ever. The worst. Who was kidnapped then heroically saves another boy from these pedophiles only to die like four years later in a motorcycle accident. And his brother was a serial killer. The the worst fucking life what possible. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that every now and then. Yeah, when that's it comes the to- 80s. In, yep. the, in a nutshell, that is the 80s. Yep. So, yeah. So. And that's what happens to Michael. Yep. So now back home, Dad is tormented with grief as like news headlines spin in to. Uh, to oh, you forgot to mention that the senior is wearing a coat made entirely of hair. Oh yeah, yeah. When that when when he comes back around because they haven't everybody. Knows, oh, have they not shown him yet? They've not shown him yet, but like everybody knows who kidnaps him. But yeah, like later on, he's going to show up with an entire coat, like a big fucking coat made of hair. Uh, but yeah, but back home, dad is tormented with grief as news headlines spin into frame announcing Michael's disappearance. And he's like trashing his like cartoonishly trashing his studio. And then like more news headlines spin in, like uh, announcing more child disappearances. And he like 
furthermore, like trashes his studio. And then later we find out the kidnapper is a senior who has Michael in this weird coffin thing. Yeah. And, and 20 kids are missing from school. Yes. In, in the span of, I don't really know how, like what the timeline is. It's here. almost like it happens overnight. But it, yeah, it's like all of a sudden, why are so many kids missing? Why has nobody done this? Including like, why, was no doing anything. Including Connie's sister. Yeah, and everyone's real fucking like blase about super, everything. Super nonchalant about all these missing. Like children. Connie's just like, well, they took Mei Lang, my sister, but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. We should get the adults. And Susie says, well, dad's no use. Yeah, no shit, no Susie. Shit. Your dad is a fucking train wreck. <laughs> Nothing about that man says he's gonna be good in a crisis. Yeah. Yep. So the two of them are like, well, we gotta do something about this. And then later, but but they immediately abandon the plan to do something about it. And they go to an art supply store to buy a gift for her dad in order to cheer him up. And this is where the, the clerk gives them a new, very expensive brush with weird bristles. And they uh, reckon, they, yeah. Look, I, I'm not a painter. I don't know much about, about the creating art. Clearly I have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it seems like the least effective brush you could possibly. Buy. Oh yeah. It's all floppy. I mean, it is clearly made from human hair. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, he's, uh, he, I think he says it or, or rather they recognize it as Michael. If hair. someone was like, Hey, you can buy this paintbrush that's made from human hair. You can use it to make paintings. I would say, get away from me right now. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't like you being near me. You frighten so, me. Yeah. They, they, they question the, uh, the, the guy at the counter about the, about the brush, like they buy it. And then they find out that like they, they, they're sold to the art supply store by a guy who refuses to identify himself. But he's wearing a giant coat made of human hair. Giant coat made so of human hair. So kind of recognizable. Yep. Uh, but then they, they kind of figure it out that it's the senior. And yeah, because so- Susie is touching the hairbrush and she goes, I know this hair. Yeah. And I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean you know this hair, you goddamn weirdo? She's been cutting it for like... I don't know, weeks, uh, either, uh, either two weeks or six years. It does. Who knows? Who yeah. knows how long this movie takes to unfold? Yep. So together, Connie and Susie stake out the art supply store until the senior arrives to drop off more brushes. And then the senior makes a weak attempt to kidnap Susie. Uh, but while that's happening, Connie sneaks into the back. I will of say truck. though, I will say they're standing outside the art supply store. My first thought, cause he has a funnel and a big bag of sugar. And my first thought was, they're going to put sugar in his gas tank. <laughs> Bingo, bango, sugar in the gas tank. Your ex-husband strikes again. That's number four, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, like, this is their plan. I mean, it's a, it's not a bad plan. No, no. They're going to just they're gonna leave like a, like a trail of breadcrumbs. But he says, so the senior kind of sidles up to her in this real fucking creepy moment. And he's like, hello, little girl. Do you want to come for a ride? Wearing a suit made of human hair. Now, everything about that says, no, I don't. But it's also the laziest kidnapping technique. It is. Because also she's like, nah, I'm good. And he's like, yeah. ah, I tried. <laughs> you didn't really, though. I mean. <laughs> no. So Somehow so, you've been successful enough to kidnap. Like, I guess 20 plus children have fallen for this. So yeah. some of them are, I, I don't know. Oh, really no, wrong. we're going to find out. We're going to find out how he gets them. And that part also kind of. Oh, yeah. No, that's up. some real creepy shit. Yeah. So so now the truck takes off and 
Connie is is hidden in the back, and what he's doing is he's he's. This is when we get the first hot, hot Celine Dion song. Yeah, yeah. So he's like pouring sugar out the back to like leave a trail while the Celine Dion song plays. And it's got it's lyrics. a real Scooby Doo moment. It's got lyrics like "Binga Banga Dinga Danga." Your uh-huh. name goes clang clang. Now you're off to Hong Kong and shit. The like, whole thing feels like um, this is like real made for TV. <laughs> <laughs> like like I'm trying. I don't want to rag on it. Because she was like a teenager when she wrote the song. but And uh, then in the meantime, she's uh, Susie's following behind on her bike. And and then there's like a bunch of hobos catcalling her. And it's it's like, why why is she... Right? First of all, w- wouldn't he see her in the rearview mirror? Uh, but also, why are these old men yelling at a 10-year-old girl on a bike? That's right, because there are like all these people who are just sort of like menacingly hanging around and like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. They're on the bad side of town. If, if there, if there is such a thing in Montreal, uh, I don't know. I think in Canada, that's called Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. In your face, Edmonton. Yeah. Suck it. Edmonton. Yep. The rest of Canada is better than you. So, so you're the America of Canada. <laughs> So, so she loses the trail, uh, like, uh, there's like a street cleaner or something that, that like washes it away. And so she's like basically forced to kind of give up on it. But Connie, well, that was like, the scene where the, uh, closed caption refers to them as winos. <laughs> and I Why, thought, winos I thought good work, Severin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So now Connie is captured and the senior appears to, this is again, like he's making, he's wearing the, the suit or the coat. Oh, this is when he drags know. him into the. The, the senior's lair. Yeah, yeah. And it well, looks like well, he lives on the set of the Take On Me video. Yeah. So what it, what we find is that the senior's workshop is full of captive child slaves who are making brushes out of Michael's hair. Now, now is this a this is a direct Temple of Doom thing, right? It has to be. It has because to that be. is from that here was, on out. This is Temple of Doom. That was the year before. Right down to yes. the Asian kid. Yes, that was the year before this. That was eighty four. Yeah. So. um because there's also there's like a sh- hey, yeah, that's right. And there's children, there's child slaves in like cages and shit like in yeah. the movie. This is like it's just a sweatshop, which, again, kind of an 80s fear. Yep. Yep. So nobody looks- cared when it actually happened. But no. when it happened in movies, it was terrible. No, when, it, when it looks as though actually like the entire city population of children is here. Yeah. Um, but they're also even they're kind of like, eh, you know, it sucks. But what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I guess we live here now. So. The senior apparently is feeding Michael a yogurt only diet. I did not care for this at all. I don't, this moment was really upsetting because he feeds it to him. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's, it's like plain yogurt. And he's, he's like yeah, laying in this weird iron lung looking thing. Yeah. Like Michael is basically it is like a deeply disturbing visual forever in state just lying there in this like coffin thing as his hair grows down a funnel behind him and the senior spoon feeds him plain yogurt did you see the black phone yeah so okay so the black phone where there like there's a heavy implication of sexual abuse but they never actually say it or anything that's what this kind of gives is like this weird bizarrely intimate deeply disturbing sexual implications. I was yeah. very upset about this whole like thing. I think that I think that it's supposed to be like kind of like a like a like a fairy tale quality to it. But because it has none of the fairy tale trappings and it's all just very modern and it's weird just terrifying. And in and in this like child slave sweatshop, it's just like the implication is so much more dire. But you know what the best part was? Even the dog has a hair coat. 
Yep. <laughs> I, I, I got I to tell you, I like the dog. Yeah, the dog's pretty, pretty great. Yep. So and this is so, what, this is when we find out the darkest fucking part of this movie. So yeah, so Connie gets captured and he starts to talk to all the other kids and he's like, "How'd you get him?" And the and the kids are like, "The senior is basically roofing the children." Yeah, allow me through lies, through hypnosis, through ice cream that puts you to sleep. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't like that at all. No, I when I heard that, I was like, because because I again watched it a couple of times in reasonable close proximity. The second time I was paying attention, and that line really stuck out to me. It also yeah. made me think of bags of powder, which make you sleepless. <laughs> you sleepless. Pal <laughs> friendly comes by. Uh, yeah, and uh, meanwhile, all the kids are wearing what I will describe as Heaven's Gate robes. <laughs> yeah, they're all like in a uniform. These sort of like weird. Beige robes. Yeah. Yep. Not good. It's not good. No. This is whoever wrote the last part of this movie. I don't know if they ever worked again, but (laughs) Jesus Christ. You'll find out that they, that, that, that the end of their career coincides with the beginning of a stint in prison. Yeah. God damn. (laughs) Yeah. So, so at the same time as as all this darkness is, is dawning upon us, we learn that the senior is painting these crazy magical paintings that you can actually out out of nowhere, out of nowhere. This comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden there's magic involved. Yep. And you can walk into these paintings Mm -hmm. and it, and it's only possible with Michael's magical hair paintbrushes. And he does it in this very whimsical. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we're going to get there and actually see him do it in a strange turn of character. But first um, we've got to, we got to, we got to, sort of connect a few dots here because we're way off track now. Yeah. The murder mystery is afoot. Yeah. So back home, we find out that the doctor who's just hanging out with Michael's dad, Mm -hmm. his brother is also the rabbit. And this is when my note says, who the hell is the rabbit? Yeah. Because I, I must have missed earlier on that. That is the guy's name in the paint. Why is he the rabbit? I don't know. And the senior also, why do all three of them have different accents? Right. Yeah. I, I assume, just based on his, his behavior, the doctor got hit on the head with something, and that's just yeah. what he does. We also, But we also find out that, that they also have another brother, a dude named Sergio, who now has no name and only goes by the name The Senor. So now they can use him to track down The Senor. And so back at the senior's child sleep. But also, game. like, how is the senior his brother? Uh, because it's, he's clearly a con man. It is, it, is a sta- it is canonically established that he is a con man who has changed his identity like seven times. Bounced so around Presumably locations. he's moving around a lot. This is all very convenient. As to evade the law. I'm guessing when Michael Rubo uh, conceived of this, he didn't really have an ending. No, no, no. Like, I get the feeling that there was a certain point where... They were like, okay, write all this shit down. And then he wrote it down and they're like, okay, let's get into production. And then they looked at the script and went, dude, there's no ending here. Yeah. Someone was just like, uh, guys, this is like a 98 minutes and we're nowhere near wrapping this shit up. Yeah. They were like, I don't know. Uh, how about these two convenient facts that solve the whole fucking movie? Yep. Yep. Uh, so, so back at the, the senior's child slave camp, the yep. children, all, all the Heaven's Gate members are asleep in their hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like it's a goddamn submarine. God, I tried to make another Simpsons reference with the Hank Scorpio episode and I just couldn't. <laughs> but 
Uh, but I will say this looks pretty comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so Connie wakes up and he plots to go see Michael, but he finds out that the senior has this fucked up security system of all these invisible strings, which are tied to this fucking ring that he wears. That looks like something out of dungeons and dragons and yeah. it's tied to his hand. So, and then the, the, the other kid is like, here, just uh, take my magic string knocker or whatever the fuck he calls it. It's Yeah, it's, it's basically it's, it's just a, like a piece of wood. It's a stick with like a rag attached to it so that you hold it out in front of you. And when you come across one of these invisible strings, it you know, you, you can see it move and like, you know, drag the thing over the strings. So that's that's what it is. That's, you know, ingenious. Yeah, I mean, this, Why is, this kid is movie, but the implications of all of this are chilling. Yeah. Yes. Like, but why it has not occurred to this child to use this delightful device beforehand, uh, beforehand, unless he uses it to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Like, I don't I don't. What do you do in that case? Yeah. But but Connie uses the device to get like to detect the strings. He gets all the way to Michael. But Connie now finds that Michael is fully in the throes of Stockholm syndrome. And also what you were going to say, I have no idea. Yeah. What I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm bewildered by the end of this movie. Right. So the senior wakes up and he catches Connie and, and then a chase. Uh, Who then throws giant darts at him for they, some yeah. reason. Oh, but, the, but did you notice why the dartboard is there? Cause there's a board and the senior throws them at a picture of a person. That person is the principal from the school. And it's like a head to toe printout of her, like so full one to one size that the senior had to have this giant life-size uh, British lady thing printed out. Yeah. He then had to either purchase or make giant darts. Yep. Now, why wouldn't you just use regular size darts? Yeah. Well, but because it's the not, giant it's not... darts also have the magic hair on. Them. Yeah. It's not, it's not cartoony or whimsical enough. So it's they just... make magical paintbrushes and giant hair darts. Yeah. For fun. This is how Connie gets himself out of it. He yes. tells him he wants him to be his dad. Yes. So, yeah, because Connie is now kept hung in a net and he weaves this story about his dad being dead in a plane crash and he wants the senior to be well, his It's about father. fucking time someone's parents died. I know. No, but but that turns out to also be a lie. Yep. So, yeah, so he he begs him to be his dad, which makes the senior very happy. And the senior says, I've never had children, only a dog. And I wrote, I think that's probably for the best. This guy is dangerous. <laughs> no, also, he clearly has children. He's got about 30 of them right now. Yeah. That he stole with sleepy ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but this makes this cause. I mean, how you can't have the mother be dead, but you can have the senior be a child drugging rapist. Yep. His, but this causes his entire affect to change. And so now Connie, Connie talks him into using the brushes to paint a real location on one of the canvases. He is a whimsical kidnapper now. Yep. With one of Michael's brushes. And um, in, in an adorable old man type performance. Yep. Oh yeah. Right. Cause there's like a dance involved and he's, yeah. he's all like happy and, and they're like, all laughing and living it up. And it's like, this is the problem with kids. They're fucking stupid. Yep. 10 minutes ago, this guy drugged and kidnapped you and forced you to make horrible hair paintbrushes. Yeah. Now you think he's the coolest thing ever. Yep. Cause he does a fan, like a, like a funny little dance. Yeah. Now, is it a great moment? I, it's a little Marcel Marceau for my taste, but I guess Yeah. it, it yeah. wouldn't win me over if he was my kidnapper. Yeah. 
he, I mean, you would have to be full, like, really, you, like, it's, it would be Stockholm Syndrome. Like, you are fully <laughs> convinced that this is, like, your fault or something and that you've got to protect him. But what he does is he, he ends up painting the spooky old house, and then Connie has him, like, go into it. And he explains, this is where we kind of learn about the fright. Yeah. So, I also, this is, like, a big, this is a big, like, special effects scene, too. Oh, yeah, you can tell, like, 30% of their budget went to this moment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we learn about the fright. So how does Connie know that it's called the fright? I believe either Michael, I believe Michael's dad or the doctor. And what is the fright? Because I thought it was just these two old dead drunks. No, apparently at this point, this is like a pathological thing that you can get when you're scared. And but like, but now we. But learn, all it does is make your hair grow. But it's like a curse because because what ends up happening is. The senior goes into it and he they're like, hey, climb up in there and like go in the house. And he goes in the house and he has the same exact experience that Michael has where he gets scared and he loses all of his hair. But now the senior has the fright, meaning Michael has like passed the curse on or something like that. This is we're we're just we're just free associating at this point. This is basically it follows. But we yeah. Say. yeah. Uh, or, or maybe maybe just like it follows. I don't know. <laughs> So, so no, Michael, so no, Michael is now like free of this curse. They get up, the senior comes in and he gets up and now he has no hair. He kind of looks like Brian Cranston in uh, Breaking Bad. And uh, they, you know, they do the whole like Scooby-Doo chase scene where they're running down hallways. and, and Oh yeah, the only thing stuff. that's missing is like a fucking strawberry alarm clock sound <laughs> or something. I don't, yeah, yeah. It is a real loop, loopy moment. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of this, like, sort of them trying to escape, and they they get end up getting cornered by the the senior who's about to pounce when in runs uh, Michael's dad and the rabbit and Cause, the oh, because Susie eventually picks up the trail of the show. That's shooter. right. Yep. Uh, which thank fucking god, because otherwise these kids would be murdered. And that and this because she's the just, only one doing anything. This movie would just keep fucking going on and on and on. But anyways, dad shows down, up. And the father says, don't get his pants dirty. That's his only pair. <sighs> or no, the rabbit says that. Yes. And I, 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 I thought don't. that is a really weird thing to say. Also, <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. By this point, I I'm don't just know like, how many pairs of pants you own. Why this, does he know that? At this point, I'm just like, can we, can we just get on with this? Seriously, wrap this shit up, guys. <laughs> yeah. So yes, but they do. And then the senior gets arrested and reunited back at home. Michael's mom comes home and the thank God. Look, everybody, she's definitely not definitely dead. not dead. Definitely alive. She comes home. Family is fully reunited. Roll the fucking credits. Well, you, you forgot the part where we get the uh, the winos again. That he goes because right. he goes back into, he the goes into the painting and, and he, the woman. He's like, why was I so afraid of you? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm a kooky old crazy lady ghost. And yeah. And then he's like, no, you're not. You're just a, I'm like, well, she did cause you to lose all your hair yeah. and she's kind of been wicked mean to you all along. And it's almost as like, it's almost as though they're like trying to sort of sell us on this idea that he has learned some lesson, but what that lesson is, is never, is never hey, outlined. Maybe old dead winos aren't as scary as you thought they were. They're just, <laughs> the, they're the old dead winos you met along the way. That's life right there. And then the guy says something, the, the, the homeless guy says something, but the lines are 80 yard and his mouth doesn't even move at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we never learn what happened to the old gross kidnapper. 
That's just the end of the movie. That's and, just the end of the movie. And I thought, wow. Yep. That Celine, was a movie for kids. Yeah. Celine Dion plays us off. Fucking Christ. Uh, so is it a horror movie? I don't know, but I, I don't know what else it is. Either. I think I think that it is definitely unsettling in enough places, in enough ways to definitely like I understand why Severin picked up on it, because it's mm-hmm. definitely got that like it's uncanny. It's it's weird to a fault, you know, just and let's whole, be honest, that license can't be that expensive. Probably not. It's probably like the stuff vinegar syndrome's picking up. But uh, yeah, good God, I'm I'm glad we're past this one because I gotta tell you, uh, I will I I I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm glad I saw it, and uh, also I mean, as far as like Blu-rays go, you could do a lot worse. Like Severin's release of it is really quite. Yeah, I mean, good. will I watch it again? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those ones that, like, if I'm going to have some, somebody's going to be like, what's a really fucked up movie that's not, like, a fucking blood and guts horror movie? I'd probably show them that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, it's that or Magnolia. Yeah. options. Yep. So, what's next? Oh, man. What is next is we are, uh, we are going to be celebrating, uh, as a, it's National Hispanic Heritage Month. I believe that is the technical term. I, I think it also might be a somewhat controversial name, but I am not going to get involved in that fracas. <laughs> uh, instead, what I will do is I will celebrate my favorite Mexican horror film, Don't Panic. Yeah. Oh, man. We are going to put Ruben Galindo Jr. on a pedestal and really, I really let, let you know just how so wonderful this much. movie is. It makes me so happy. Yep, this is one that we've been looking forward to for a while, and uh, man, am I glad we found a reason to to get it on the schedule. So, um, yep, stick with us. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time with "Don't Panic." Hey-oh.